Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the King's Quarters up here in Level Cross, sitting next to two guys who need no introduction. But to my right, the man in the cowboy hat and the sunglasses is the king, Mr. Richard Petty. And to his right, <laughs> eight-time championship winning crew chief, Mr. Dale Inman. And to my left, last but not least, Ryan Flores. Yeah, I've not won as many races. <laughs> not even close. Man. What a what an honor to be talking to you guys for a couple minutes right here on Stacking Pennies. But before, right before we jumped on, you asked where are the pennies at. Right, I want to know where the pennies. Are I'm at. gonna tell you where the pennies. Tell are me at. where the pennies is at. So when I first came into the Cup Series, um, I was getting beat up. Some of it was my own doing. Some of it was everybody else is doing, right? <laughs> and I was beat down. I was had no confidence. So I started seeing a sports psychologist, and we started figuring out <laughs> what these pennies were over the course of the weekend that I had control over, like not cussing on the radio, pit road rolling speed, all these things to like keep me motivated okay. to eventually hopefully win run one race, only 199 short of you. But we rode all the way up here today uh, just to, to pick your guys' brain a little bit. We're obviously in the 75th year NASCAR, and you have been, a, you have been the guy, but you guys have been in it and seen it every step of the way. So, 74 years I've been there. Okay. 74. Weren't you at the first NASCAR race in 1948? No. You weren't. The first cup race yeah. was in 49, 49. Uh, in right. Charlotte. Yeah. So I went to the very first race mm. with my dad. So I've uh, been going ever since. Whew. Two 200 wins. And Dale, man, man, you're one of my favorite, favorite to talk to at the racetrack. Always comes up and <laughs> grabs that pressure point in, can't, in your can't arm. Can't do it no more. <laughs> uh, I, I, beg, I beg to differ. Okay. I beg to differ, but I wanted to pick your brain, Richard, a little bit about uh, how the job of a race car driver has changed over that 75-year okay. history of NASCAR. Used to, the race car driver drove the race car, okay? Now the race car driver, with sponsorships and all that stuff, he's busy all the time. And, you know, I know we've had different drivers that, that drove for Petty Enterprise from time to time, and they'd come spend a couple, three days at the shop. Well, the drivers are so busy now, they don't get a chance to really, to me, get really into the team, okay? And uh, that was one advantage that I had was I was I was in the middle of the team. It was all here at Petty Enterprise. So I was here every day for everything. Dale was here telling me what I was supposed to be doing. He didn't so listen. The, the deal <laughs> of a driver, driver's responsibility is not totally driving a race car now. He's got to be a PR man. He's got to do the different things to to uh, to help the sport beside drive the race car. So that part has really changed. In fact, uh, when we first started running, my dad first started running, a lot of guys worked during the week and then just show up on race day. You know I mean? And then I think my dad was probably the first professional deal. He sat down and said, we can make a living doing this all the time. So then... Then we worked on the race car and, you know, went to the racetrack, run the race, get enough money to get home, get back to the next race. So all that stuff is just, it's like the whole world. 75 years, everything's changed. No, no kidding. Yeah, I'd ask that same question to you, Dale. Like, I, on the crew chief side, what's, what's different now, obviously, everything, but more so, what's the same? Like, what are the same battles that those guys have to deal with these days that you had to? Probably the only thing the crew chief changes now is, 
that they do the same as telling me exactly which lap to come in on, you know, because <laughs> everything is computerized. The crew chiefs now can tell how much they're pushing the brake, how much they're on the gas, how much they're turning the wheel, and all this other stuff. When we started, we had a lot of, we won championships with just volunteer help, you know, and yeah. the crew chiefs now, I mean, the, crew, uh, the, the pit crew now comes, they ain't worried about the car, they just, all they do is show up and change tires, and it, it's such a different world, we ain't got enough time, <laughs> I probably ain't got enough time left in life to tell the difference, but, you know, I drove the truck, worked on the car, and called the race, and done the strategy calls and everything, and uh, it's just it's just such a different world, you know, but uh, Richard Richard had to work on the car too, being a driver, you know, and I'm not saying he liked to work, but he had to. <laughs> <laughs> one, one, of my, one of my favorite stories about driving the truck, but there was a time you rode in the actual race car to Riverside. Oh yeah. From right up there in that garage right there, me and Maurice drove the, a 1958 Oldsmobile 57, 57 in 58 to Riverside, California. Lee run Trenton on Friday, a 500 mile race, flew to Riverside and ran on Sunday for the points. And he won the championship, of course, that year. You were supposed to go to Trenton, right? But somebody was walking on their hands and hurt their shoulder. Is that the way the story goes or? Uh, no, somebody was supposed to go to Riverside and. That just fell and broke his shoulder, that's all. <laughs> Trying you to walk around on my head. You didn't yeah. hurt yourself. Well, you faked me. <laughs> they they out, got to Riverside and uh, they called <laughs> called the house and said, uh, okay, Richard, he said, all these people, the racetrack goes to the right, not to the left. And they said, what do we need to do to set the car up? I said, I don't know. I said, just take all the springs off the right side, put on the left, left ones put on the right. And uh, that's what they did. I mean, that that's how much knowledge we had <laughs> but, at that time because the cars I, were pretty stock. But I think there was like maybe 58 or 60 cars in the race and Marvin Porter, a West Coast driver, he just took up with us. I think he qualified his car 52nd and qualified Lee's car fourth. <laughs> just like the springs. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think we were in fourth and we was racing Jack Smith for the championship. I think he ran third so we didn't lose many points but on the way home we locked up a right rear hub and Oh, I didn't think we ever would get home. Lord have mercy. Wasn't no such a thing as an interstate. <laughs> mm. Man, Richard, I wanted, I wanted to ask you about the other seven-time champs, right? Your seven-time champion alongside Dale Earnhardt and Jimmy yeah. Johnson. What do you think are the biggest differences between you three guys? Timing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I did my thing in my time with competition, with the cars, with the drivers. Earnhardt did his deal with the competition that he had in the car he had. And then Jimmy comes along in a, a different era. Okay, he's talking more about electronics and all this kind of kind of stuff uh, that controls the car more than the driver from time to time. So we both, we all three won a championship, won them under different circumstances at different times in different cars. So you can't really compare the deal. The only thing is you just got seven by your name. Mm. But as far as, you know, me running with the cars today, I probably wouldn't have won seven championships. Them that won the seven championships today probably wouldn't have won seven championships when we run, just because of the circumstances. No doubt. I was, I was thinking about this this weekend. You know, we, we flipped a couple over at Talladega yeah. and uh, crashed a bunch of them pretty big on Sunday as well. But there was a time 
20 years ago, 30 years ago, where it wasn't for, it was, it was taken for granted, you know, if you strapped in one of those things, if that was going to be your last time, right? And this sport's taken a lot from you. I don't think any of us really looked at it that way. Yeah. You got to figure the cars now have got all these safety features and all this kind of stuff they do to prevent anybody getting hurt. But if you go back and look at our cars, they were so much bigger. I mean, you know, y'all can't hardly get through the window and stuff mm -hmm. on these cars now. And when you get in there, the doors is right here. We got in the car, and the dash was way up there. Door was over here. You know, might not have all the safety deals around, but you had room to move around. And if something hit you, there was so much could be absorbed before it really got to the driver. Mm. So the safety deals uh, back then were as modern as we knew what to do. But as things come along and we started getting different cars, different situations, different speeds, then every time there was a wreck, NASCAR would say, okay, what can we do to improve safety on this deal? And just like uh, the board turned over on Sunday, uh, Saturday. Uh, Saturday, the five yeah. car, they tore the bars off. Yeah. They'll go look at that. But to me, that was a perfect deal because of all that stuff give. If it had been solid, then the driver would have felt it more. So if you're not careful, you get the car too stiff. In other words, there's got to be a, a buffer zone, just like putting in uh, the safety walls. There's cement behind them, and there's cushion deal. You get the same uh, G-force at the end of it, but you go into it slower, and you come out of it slower. What happens when you hit a cement wall? It's instantaneous, mm. and, and the body can't stand that. The body can stand a little bit of going in and coming out. So... Those are the things that, you know, that NASCAR's looked at. They come back and softened up the rear end of the cars because mm -hmm. the guys were getting kind of wounded a little bit when they backed into the wall. So they've, they've got a lot of a feature, safety features on these cars, but they've got to improve them or take some of the safety features they thought was working, take them off and try something different. Yeah, soften it up a bit. Look at that car from 57 and then to, like, to 92, your last car here. And I can only imagine two things. Like his dad owns a seat company, right? I can only imagine how many times you hit and ended up in the passenger side at first. <laughs> and then, you know. Yeah, the, the seat used to be, you know, not that stiff and everything, and it, it'd open up, you know, and then now they just don't give, you know, and the head don't give and all that. But uh, we've, we've made pit stops and somebody get in the right window and push in on this because it's give, you know. That's all you had. You had, <laughs> had a seat and just had a, a deal right here. Over a period of time, he'd give out a little bit. So they push it over and you start like this, and by the time the end of the race, he's over here like this. Especially 500 laps of Dover or yeah, something like so, that. But going to Daytona in 1964, we got a good good body and got the big Hemi. And uh, we set the car up kind of like we did in 63. And Richard went out and come back in. And he said, we, We've got to work on this thing. It, it ain't working. And uh, it still had a bench seat. We took the right fold back off and he's just sitting here in a bench seat you know with the back and one thing we done took a two before cut it in two wrapped it with an army blanket and bolted it to the seat here to keep him under the steering I, wheel what happened i'd go down in the corner and i'd turn and then i'd go over like this and i couldn't turn anymore because i was uh. holding on keep from falling out then we got to do something i mean we worked on that thing changed springs changed front end setting 
I mean, we was down there for two weeks for the race. Yeah. And just wore the thing out working on it. Never could get it any better. And then somebody came up with a bright idea. Hey, this is what's really happening. <laughs> and uh, put that deal in there and you go down and drive that car with one hand. You know, yeah, because you're held up. Not one hand back then because we didn't have power steering. Well, you're <laughs> yeah. two hands like this. Yeah. Yeah. Was about this all, that work, work. all that talk about Maurice and working on motors and your best adjustment was a two by four in an army blanket the whole time you were down there. That's hilarious. Okay, yeah, yeah but but we from you know we, from '63 to '64, I think we picked up like something like 13 mile an hour. Wow. You know what I mean? With G-force got to us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's, that's a big deal. And there was probably some aerodynamics involved, but we didn't know about it. Yeah. you know all we wanted to do is be able to run it wide open, and we finally got it where he could, you know, and uh, wound up winning another race. It's it's so it's so interesting how everything's changed, but everything's almost stayed the same. We're going back uh, to North Wilkesboro, and you got 15 career wins there. I was trying to pick your brain if you got any tips around that joint for me when we go there for the All-Star race. <laughs> There's no tips, I tell you. The deal up there was always uh, controlling your tires. Mm. I mean, you'd go out and you'd run, and you'd slow down, slow down, slow down, and you'd say you'd lap somebody a couple times. They'd come in and get tires. They'd unlap themselves, and you're still out there leading the race. Yeah. I mean, that, that, the tires, and it's going to be it's, it's probably worse because the track's been sitting there for 30 or 40 mm -hmm. years. So it's, I don't know how they're going to control the tire deal. The only thing, I guess, is going to have to have short races. You know, every 15 laps, we're going to have to stop and get tires and let everybody do it. But it's going to be interesting and, and it was really a, a different kind of racetrack. You run down the front stretch, go through the turn, and it's downhill. You go through and then you go up the back stretch and the, the turn looks completely different. You think you had a different racetrack. So it was a very challenging racetrack to get the car set up. Bill Nim was always pretty good at hitting the right combination. So then it was up to me to be able to, to miss everybody. Then he could control the tires. You know, sometimes we'd run a harder tire. Back then, you, you had whatever tires you had, you bought your tires. So you had Daytona tires or, you know, Martinsville tires or anything in between. And so from time to time, he just changed the Goodyear would always say, this is a tire for this track. Well, we'd try that for a while. Then he'd slip one in here and there. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, well, that was, it was legal. But, I mean, we wasn't yeah, doing nothing yeah. wrong. It was just that and leading up to that, we all got fooled at Daytona in 81 when they brought that Le Mans in down there. Yeah. It, was on the, it was in the rule book, you know, so I give the Allisons credit for that. We just, they wound up second, but that's another yeah. story too, you know. But uh, w w talking about Wilkesboro, uh, me and Richard Maurice was Lee's pit crew when he were in dirt up there, you know. And, really? Yeah. Y'all so were, were the pit crew? Uh, we was it. That was it. That What'd was you it. do? What was your job? Whatever needed to be done. <laughs> yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All the gas man, fuel Dad would run the races, and we didn't tell him when to come in and when not to. He just, if he started running out of gas, he'd come in and get gas. We needed tires, he'd tell us, and we'd get with him and give him some tires. So he, he, was, the, he was the owner, the driver, uh, the crew, crew chief. chief. Yeah. I mean, he, he done it all. How, how old were you when you were doing that? 
Wasn't old enough to be in the pits. Yeah. <laughs> old enough to work, though. Yeah. Yeah. 14, 15 years old. Yeah. 13, whatever. I don't believe he was ever that young, was he? Dad didn't start running until he was 35. Mm. You know I mean? Most people, are, they're looking at retiring at 35 now. But you got to figure, people now, the drivers now, they start when they're five or six years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're running some kind of racing. So by the time they get to the cup racing, you know, they always got 15 years of racing behind them, even though it's a different kind. So I can see where maybe they don't last 20 or 30 years in cup stuff because they've, they've done used up their ability or, <laughs> or want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The enthusiasm eventually runs out and say, man, I don't, I don't need to do this. I need to, be, I need to be doing something else. What do you think, you know, you, you talk about the enthusiasm. At what point of your career do you think that enthusiasm was the highest of like when you were most excited to show up to work and get after it? You know, Sunday watching the Talladega 500 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on television. Yeah. He stayed home. I went. I, I no, saw you down there. You know, as far as, as that, so we own Petty Engineer. Petty, and I started Petty Engineering with that. Then when we came along with Petty Enterprises. And so it was our job to bring, work on the car, run the car, try to win races, bring in the money, and then start all over again. Mm -hmm. So I never, I never drew with anything except this is my job. And this is, the big deal was I loved to drive a race car. So the hardest thing I've ever done in racing is say I'm getting out. Mm. And then, you know, and I think the good Lord gave me like 25 years of pretty good luck. And then I'd, he said, I'd okay, say. the next five or six years, you own your own. <laughs> so I went, poop. <laughs> but again, it was hard for me to, to walk away because I just loved it so much. Mm. I never thought I'd see a day that he wouldn't be in a race car. You know what I mean? And uh, he... Uh, Lord, there was some, some times it was hot and relief. You relief driver, you can't, can't even imagine a relief driver now, you know, because they're form fitted, you know. But uh, the the bench seats and the old seats. They got and, air conditioning now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got everything but the radio system in there, pretty much. Now, yeah. The next step of these cars, I'd say, I might just go back to driving again. It's going to be, <laughs> I know, is I'm going to sit in the grandstand and drive my car. <laughs> okay. You know. I hope they don't get to that. <laughs> well, I that's put the, you out of that's work. That's the next step, buddy. Think about it. <laughs> Here's my smart mouth again. Y'all drive because you're just too lazy to work. That's the reason you do I'm it. With you. I'm with you. I don't, I don't disagree. <laughs> yep. He I, can't either. I wasn't well, smart enough you to. you got to figure, I used to work on the race car, okay? You did, but you, you didn't like to, I'll tell you that. And I, I did. That was my, I started working on the race car. Never thought about driving. He was on the race car because I like I thought my dad would drive forever yeah, you know, from that standpoint. And then when I got old enough, then I finally got in the car. I still worked on the race car. So we're here in Level Cross at the museum. Is this, this like when I was pulling the driveway, Dale had told me that that was the house you were born in right, right there. And just to think like how many race cars pulled out of here, you know, everything oh, from, boy, from you guys pulling out to go to Riverside. And see that one, that one shop up there <clears throat> started 1949. And that's when my dad started. That's the original floor and everything in but, that particular deal. And, you know, it, it just went from there. But talking about going to Riverside, we had a chart. We had a chassis dyno at that time, and Lee fixed his chart on RPM speed limits. Mm -hmm. 
and he said, don't run it over maybe 60 mile an hour until you get to Shreveport, stop at the service station, borrow the lift, change oil and filter, then you'd run it, say, 70. Did he have, so, like, braking oil on it? Did he have, like, braking oil in it? Is that why? I don't know. Go? He just told us, give us what oil and told us to change in. I'm, I change oil. And I guess it was just a break in yeah. oil, you know. So we leave out and go to Ashburn, go down 49. And what we didn't know, there was some men coming up from Charlotte to meet Lee. And Lee talked, you know, and he said, did y'all come up 49? And they said, yeah. I said, well, you might have been the boys going to California. He said, that's what that was. They run so fast we couldn't tell. What, what <laughs> was got stopped six times and I got stopped once. Never did get a ticket. No wonder you were burnt a wheel bearing up coming home. Right rear hub. A hub. Coming into Wilcox, Arizona. What was, I can't remember tying my shoes this morning, but I remember that. What was harder, driving those things or those big ramp trucks? So some of the big no, ramp the trucks. The race are, car drove good. Heck, we run. Yeah. We run fast. <laughs> some of them ramp trucks are big. They look like yeah, a lot. Not yeah. much brake, big carburetors well, on. What about the first time we got a road range transmission with what fourteen forward gears? Did you did you have so when you would travel like that? Did you have places like if you'd go out and be on the west coast for a little bit? Did you have guys shops that you'd go work at, or was it something that you had set up with the manufacturer like, no, like a mainly dealership? We just went to the racetrack and done our thing. You know, really, uh, we did. We done most of the running on the east coast except yeah. Riverside, and then. And then it got to work. Went to Riverside one time, and they blew they blew the motor in a truck right before they got to the race track. Ooh. And I think it was four of us, me and Dale, Chief, and another guy. And <laughs> we had to go to town to buy a motor for the truck. Got a short block. A short block. So oh boy. They and yeah, so short block. So, Fitters it in there. So, so two of them, two of them worked on the truck for two or three days. Me and Dale worked on the race car for True two story. Days. Yeah, so we we had to get ready for the race, yeah. but we also had to get ready to go home. Yeah, that's dude. That guy, I take that like my takeaway from short track racing. One of the things I one of the things I don't love about cup racing now is you just get on the plane, fly there, and fly back. Like the best stories come from being on the road. And that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, when I say it ain't always been this easy, I can about halfway prove it. You, know? you were on my plane this week, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not going oh, to Dover. I'm he's, not he's not bucking. I'm not going to Dover. No, it, uh, but we went, to, we went to Bristol one year, Richard, and practiced and qualified on Friday, and then you got in a, some kind of little plane. Two engine, one pilot, just me and Richard went to Mossport, Canada to run a USAC race. On Saturday. <laughs> On Saturday. You, you told me that, and then you came back the next day and ran 500 laps of Bristol. Bristol, yeah. yeah. And it, now, but it wasn't our car out there, up there. I, I, I might have heard a story about you may or may not have fell asleep leading a race somewhere. Uh, oh. He tells this kind of crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're yeah. the one that told me. You well, said you dozed off. Now tell the truth. Well, we was running a 500 lap race at Ace for Weaverville. And I don't know, halfway through the race, the guys was racing with them, I remember. They had trouble, first thing you know, you, you're lapping through a head. And it's sunshine and it's hot. So you're just cruising around. And, and it's a big circle too, Asheville. Yeah, and I come off second, nice track, huh? second yeah. corner. Yeah, it's a pretty bank track, but it was rough. Now halfway up the back stretch, I hear something. Ooh, there's a wall in it. <laughs> All of a sudden, I was... My eyes got that big the rest of the race. So really good show. He told me about it going home. He said, would you believe I kind of dozed off? I said, yeah, about you, I believe you. <laughs> but now, we went on the window race. Now, now if, if nobody knew better, they would think you guys would be brothers as much success and much time you guys spent no. together. Has there ever been a time where you about wanted to kill each other? 
Yeah. <laughs> How many times we did? Yeah. We never went to a race where we didn't have some kind of argument. Yeah. Now. I mean, you know, we'd, we'd go out and run and stuff, and I said, hey, Dale, uh, I think we need to change the right front spring. No, 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 no. We need to change the left rear. And we'd argue a little First thing you know, we change the left front. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but our arguments was to improve. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that we was mad at each other or any of that kind of stuff. But we were, we were arguing over what we need to do to get better than what we were. But we never held a grudge yeah. like I can still yeah. hold against some people now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it, uh, it's been a long ride, but a funny story on. He, he was pretty, and Lee was bad about this. If you learned a new word, he would wear it out, you know. And so the week of Wilkesboro, he learned transition. And we was at Wilkesboro, and we was practicing, doing pretty good. Wade Thornburg worked with us, worked with us forever. He talked about going downhill and making, making one and two, and, you know, and going up and making three and four. And he said, now the transition in three and four, and Wade said, wait a minute, if it's a transmission, we can change it. <laughs> Lord, how mercy did he get mad. <laughs> so here, so I heard a story that when you guys would be done with the cars, the shop wasn't big enough, so you'd roll them out in the gully and then you paved over top of that. Can you bring us to that building and show us where it is when, when we're done here? These, I don't even know how the buildings was built, but it yeah. started in with that A roof up there and it was a, it was a farm, it wasn't even a, race shop it was a farm it was, shed it was what it we called reaper shed. shed yeah yeah it's tin roof dirt floor poles holding up the tin roof that was it and when we first started working on a race car that's what it was so then they decided they put walls around it thing. me and my brother uh, mixed cement in a wheelbarrow and poured wheelbarrow load one of us would be fixing a wheelbarrow load other than being there spreading it out. So when you look at the floor, there's big patches of cement like that. And it's like this, and it's, it's nothing's level. In fact, the floor goes down. I mean, we just threw it right on top of the red dirt, and it's still there. And then when you were done with cars, you buried a couple cars here, right? A bunch of them. And they're, and they're those under... Build, those buildings back there, they don't tell how many cars is... You know, you just wipe them out during the race, and... Instead of trying to fix them, stuff, because uh, I wiped out some pretty bad ones, so there wasn't, there wasn't nothing left to fix. So you just put them in there, take the bulldozer, and run over them, put hey. dirt on top of them. You go back there and start digging, see if we can find a door or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> front clip the shovels. We can borrow. It's probably millions of dollars worth of stuff if, oh. if we had just to set it out, yeah. not put it on dirt. Mm. But you know. Getting back to Lee, Lee was 49 year old when he won the first Daytona 500, and it run caution free, and a photo finish, and we're we're still up here working on getting the car ready, and they're already down there running 140 mile an hour, and you can't imagine running that fast in an automobile. Yeah. Because the week, the year before on the beach, to qualify they'd give you. A, mile to get up to speed, then they clock you a mile. And I think the speed was like, what, 119 mile yeah, an hour or something. Like and how in the world are you gonna run in a circle 20 mile an hour faster? And, and it was a concern before we get there. And of course, I think he finally qualified the fastest, but it wasn't, it was like a week later, you know, qualifying took like two or three weeks. I don't know the stories, but I mean, even though I was there, but they so much changed over the years, yeah. you know, and, but then he wound up winning the race, you know. In, in your wildest imagination, did you see the sport gain, gaining as much traction in that 
early 90s, 2000s range. I never seen a life as we live it today. Yeah. You, I live, get up every morning. I got something to do. I do it that day. And maybe I got something out a week or later, but I got to fill in that time. So I never looked at that far down the road. You know, when, when I thought that NASCAR was going to change cars or whether the engines were different, whether they build new tracks. I never, I never worried about that stuff. I just done what, what I had a little bit of control over, and uh, that's that's what we tried to keep together. Mm. But he's he's won races in seven different makes of cars. Seven. Everything Osmo, everything General Motor had. Yeah. And a Ford and Plymouth and Plymouth and Dodge. Do you do you have a car that was like your baby, like one that you? That you had like that the, the sixty-seven over there wasn't bad. Twenty-seven <laughs> races you well, told us. <laughs> well, it was built in '66, but the '66 and the '67 was just alike. They changed the grill a little bit, but the, the body. '66, that car was run '66. Uh, we won Daytona with it, and eight other races, and then '67, we just changed and made a '67, '68, '67 out of it. Yeah. So everything just fell together. Same car, same deal. I got lucky it didn't crash it bad enough that we had to, to replace it. And then in 868, we ran that car four races and won two of those. So that's how many races that one complete car runs. What'd you, what'd you have to do to go from a 66 to a 67? Like, did you have to you cut the nose have off it? You wouldn't anything, but it's a little bit different in the grill. We changed the grill. And the lights was if different. If you didn't look, you, you wouldn't even notice, yeah. you know. But uh, but talking about going to, but used to when the season was over, say if it was over November the 14th, last race, November the 21st started the next year. You, you didn't yeah, know off that. Week. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. More yeah one off yeah. week. But they, they usually run one or two races before the we the season yeah. really started. Yeah. But there was to the next year. But you know, when uh when Winston took over and that, that was a big savior for NASCAR mm -hmm. along that time because the factors was kinda getting out of it and things were slowing up. But they cut out a lot of the small tracks. You know some of them stories, you know, and yeah. uh, they cut back and you know, Riverside used to be the first race, even before Daytona and now now Daytona's a big one and you ever win Daytona, you know, they announced you as a former Daytona 500 winner. And you'd have, hadn't been for me, you'd have won it a bunch of times. Okay, yeah. <laughs> how, how, many, how many do you think you would, would have won without Dale? Twice as many. Twice as many. <laughs> so 400? He was holding you back? I could have won 400 races. Now, okay. let me tell you, now, let me tell you this. Let me, let me, you know, going back to Daytona, <laughs> I was fortunate enough to win seven races. And if we look at it, half of those well, maybe four of those races, we probably should have won. Two or three of them were kind of being in the right place at the right time. Somebody had trouble. We won the race. But then to fill those three, we probably had the best car in three or four races and should have won, and we had trouble. Yeah. So in the long run, it kind of equaled itself out. Who was the toughest guy that you lined up against and why? Probably day in, day out. And you got to figure, uh, Pearson was probably the best overall deal, but he wasn't as hard hard to beat a lot of times because he was like me. He had a really good car, but 
when Bobby Allison or Kel Yerber, I mean, all they knew was go. Mm. I mean, they was tough being, I mean, if they were five laps behind, it didn't make no difference. I mean, they, they, they got everything out of the car. Pearson was more like what I was. He, he ran whatever he had to do to win a race. And so they had different styles, I put it that way. So it's, it's really hard to say that one of them was any tougher. Some of them were tougher on super speedways. Some of them was tougher on short tracks. And so it, in the long run, it kind of all equals itself out. Is there anybody nowadays you can look at and be like, man, I kind of see a little bit of myself in him? No. <laughs> no? No, they're it, lucky. Yeah. <laughs> none, of, none of them's got the traits that I don't know how you, how you put it. They, they don't have maybe the determination that we had because you got to look at it from my standpoint. I wasn't only supporting myself, I was supporting our whole family and all the people that work for us. Mm. And over a period of time, we started with two or three people at Petty's uh, Petty Engineering deal and from, you know, wound up with 30 or 40 people. So you're responsible for a lot of people. So I, I don't feel like that, that any of the drivers are as responsible to the people around them as maybe some of the drivers were back in my day. You and Pearson raced side by side. Was it first and second you guys finished like 60 times? But it was funny I heard you talking about it. The only time you guys really ever touched was, was it 76 in Daytona. <laughs> what, what do you think? about like there's been a lot of chatter nowadays you're still pretty in tune with the sport what do you think about the way guys are racing each other now and the frustrations they have with each other is it just a product of where we are as a sport or do you get frustrated with it a lot of it a lot of it's cars <clears throat> especially now that the cars are not plastic but whatever they are <laughs> you know uh, they're not metal body cars yeah they could not race the way they're racing today if we had metal cars because anytime you hit a metal deal, it goes in and stays. These carbon bonded cars now, when you knock them in, they pop right back out. Yeah. So they can run into each other and keep on going. You know that. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, and sometimes like Talladega, you get too, hit too hard, you can't go. But just beating on people, <laughs> uh, pushing them, running into the side of them and stuff. Yeah. People get by with that stuff now. Run into the fence, yeah. they hit it right, you just keep going. Yeah. You couldn't do that. So. The body, to me, has changed a lot of the racing, not only the chassis deal or the mm -hmm. horsepower and all that, but one of the deals that I see that what keeps all these cars so close together is they don't have any horsepower. I mean, if these cars had 800 horsepower and they turned them loose at Talladega, you wouldn't see 30 cars running together. They'd be three or four there, three or four here. Yeah. Okay, same way at Martinsville. If they had horsepower, they would be able to, when somebody makes a little boo-boo, like at Martinsville, well, by the, by the time you get on and he gets on, he runs the same speed. If you had more horsepower, you'd get by him. So I, I think they've, they've overdone themselves with, with the deal of taking that part of racing away. There's no quickness in these cars anymore. That's the reason they all run within a half a second of each other, no matter where they run. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, at Talladega, nobody ever got lapped. I mean, the whole crowd. The only time it got lapped when they had to make a pit stop or something like that. But the, the slowest car out there was keeping up with the 
with a guy in the front. Hmm. So to me, that's uh, sort of like going out here and watching the interstate. <laughs> they just running down the road, and according to who, if they all of a sudden get out there and start stopping somebody, you, if you're lucky, you're in the front. If you're not lucky, you're 30th, and that, that, that's where it winds up. You, you talked about previously with yourself, you won seven championships in your era, right? Dale won seven, Jimmy won seven. Is there another passing of the baton? You see another guy coming in and getting close to that you, mark? You know, if we, if we go back and, and look at NASCAR, about every 10 or 12 years, you got a different group. I mean, to begin with, you had Fireball Roberts, or Junior Johnson, Lee Petty, Kraft, then the David Pearson, Kale Yarborough, Alice and me, we came along in a period. Then we go away, and here comes Earnhardt's little crowd. Okay, mm -hmm. so he kind of dominates. Yeah, then Jeff Gordon comes along. Okay, he's kind of plays off. Jimmy Johnson comes along. Right now we've got no leaders. Okay, we got a bunch of people that, that are running, doing the best they can, but there's no fox out in front that mm -hmm. everybody's running at. Yeah. Everybody's running at each other. Yeah. And before that, they had these groups that you had to had to run against, and uh, there'll be somebody. There always is. I mean, you know, who who would have picked Jimmy Johnson or Earnhardt? You know, who would say five years before it happened? Right. Who would have picked them? And said these are going to be our leaders. Yeah, that's a good point. And so, you know, who? Yeah, you know, somebody. Somebody will 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 raise to the top and will be the next star. To, to get us through that 10 or 12 year period. Mm. But the cars have made the drivers equal too. Oh yeah. Closer, yeah. you know, the drivers, like like he said, we had standouts all along the way. You know, mm. we're talking about the winner this week. Kyle's been there a long time and still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, and, and uh, Kevin Harvick, and, but you can, they're still out there, don't get me That's wrong. It. They're just. That crowd's gonna go away. And then there's yeah. got to be new ones coming in. I mean, and, and these kids now, when they close up on them, they look like they ain't been out of the diaper long. You know, <laughs> no disrespect to them, but they're getting the job done. Don't get me wrong. Couple, you know? of, couple of them can mash it for sure. <laughs> and uh, well, you know, they, they didn't let him run until he was 21 year old. Yeah. yeah. So I was the youngest one running. You mean? So, so I was the kid at that time. What was your first like learn like where you were one of those? Grizzly Veterans teaches you your first racing lesson. Me and him on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> and now I know it was wrong, but we. <laughs> uh, really, I was, I was fortunate to come along when he had Junior Johnson driving. I was able to watch him. I watched Tim, Tim Plock run. I watched Lee Petty run. And, Fireball. And Fireball run the Super Speedway deal. You know, you had, had these people, and they all had a little bit different approach to how they how they drove their car so what i i've watched them and i said i like him doing this i like that so i tried to take what i thought was the best out of the guys that was winning races and try to say okay this is the way i need to do it so my approach was a little bit different than maybe somebody else's i didn't learn by doing i learned by watching and then i had to learn back then going out and doing it so your best friend's a driver as is mine so it's your whole life, you've probably had to deal with everybody talking about drivers as well, just like, just like that. But uh, who is you're you're pretty humble, but you're the only guy that's ever won eight championships. It's won you've you've won the most amount of races out of anybody that's ever done this. 
So who are guys that you don't like talk about yourself, but are there guys like Waddell or Leonard? Like who, who's a guy that you feel like was the most innovative in the sport? Leonard was probably head and shoulders above all of us, you know, but. Throughout everything. <laughs> really? But Some Harry. Some of them maybe better on, or just as good as he was on engines or chassis, but he was good on everything. Mm. But Harry Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> I tell the story, no disrespect to anything. I believe he'd have cheated if it slowed him down, you know. And of course, <laughs> Junior was, Junior had a car one time and he couldn't get the distributor in it, so he made a distributor. I don't know all the story on that, but there was so much innovation that we done back then that you cannot do today. Yeah. And that separated the cars. Yeah. It got to where the, without power steering, these cars got hard to drive, you yeah. know, and yeah. old muscles here, you know. We had to work on it, so we, <laughs> Shorten the idle arm and pitman arm and lengthen the steering arms, and that must have helped to what 50% just about yeah. before we got power steering. Yeah. yeah, and then when power steering came along, he loved it. When I was with Terry and power steering got popular, Terry struggled with it, but we had to run it. We went to Rockingham and qualified with power steering. He didn't tell me, but he told Pete Wright on the crew, said, You put manual steering back on, and I'll be right, you know, better. I, I said, You go back and tell him, we'll do it. But if he don't like it, we'll put the power steering back on. And he wanted the power steering back on, you know. <laughs> I don't blame But he struggled with it. But, uh, you know, and of course, we won Barnesville with drum brakes. And at the end of the race, he was pumping six times, three going yeah. in each corner to know exactly when he was out of brakes. Yeah, wow. I never used my left foot. I always, right foot I always used my right foot. Whole career. So you had to be off the gas, on uh -huh. the deal, pump it two or three times. And that, and that pedal probably threw about a foot, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I can tell you a story. The first race we ever went to, Columbia, he, he turned 21 July the 2nd, Columbia, South Carolina, convertible race, July the 12th. We went to Columbia, me and him and Red Myler. Lee and Ms. Petty and Maurice went to New Asheville Speedway. No, Summer's up Okay. On a Thursday night. No. I don't know how you guys remember this. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but I forgot what I had for they lunch. Had a track, yeah, I track up there around the baseball field. Okay. Yeah. But we go down there and, you know, Fireball's there, Possum Jones, Bob Wilburn, convertible race. And uh, Joe Weatherly shows up without a car. And I said, you know, Hard Rock here ain't never drove any. So if he gives out, you know, pat on the head, you know, yeah. relief. And okay. So. We run along there, and you know, Richard, I go get Joe, and he puts his little helmet on, the little golfing gloves, you know, and Richard don't come in. He does it again. I go get Joe coming home. I said, Richard, what the world was you doing? You're signaling for a driver, and you never did come in. He said, my head was itching. See what I had to work with? Uh, so, and he still wins a bunch of races. Do you, do you remember when Corey drove for you guys? Like, how, how, much, how much do you remember when Corey came over and drove? For you guys. I remember Corey as a development driver. I wrecked a lot of stuff <laughs> in a small, in a short period of time. You could just about say, well, he might last three or four more laps. Oh, no, he ain't going to last but three more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was, I'll tell you one thing, he wasn't scared. <laughs> oh, no. No, I wasn't scared. I wasn't smart, but I also wasn't scared at the same time. Well, you you'd have, if you'd have balanced them, you'd have been better. I know. <laughs> I, now I know, right? If I, if, I wish I could have told myself 10 years ago to slow well, we down. Well, can't, can't none of us call 
call call back what we've done. You know, yeah. we just. But you know, you're talking about winning a race. We've come home from after winning Wilkesboro, Richard in the car with me, our truck after what we're driving. What do we got to do when we go back to be better? And yeah. we've won races by doing something different from what. But now, basically, a lot of it, everybody's doing the same thing. There's they still some strategy, you know, and, mm -hmm. and starting to race Sunday, I, I tell people, the first thing they tell them is save gas. It's not to get further. They need it at the end, yeah. but it's the quicker at the pit stop. Strategy. Mm -hmm. Just less mm -hmm. gas, and the tires are 10 seconds, and two cans of gas is 12. So yeah. Yeah. the quicker the gassing is, and... Now, now, Richard, you—I uh, mean, you've got nothing to prove to anybody. You're the king. You're the king of NASCAR, but still, you still show up to 26, 30 races out the year. Why do you keep showing up and hanging out with us? <laughs> I don't know any better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After doing it for 74 years, it—it uh, it is my life. It's always been my life ever since my dad started racing, and uh, you know. I was just talking to one of my daughters. I said, I think I'll retire. She said, hey, you ain't going to retire. <laughs> you wouldn't have nothing to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, it's just a, just a, it's my lifestyle. Okay. Like, you know, some people like to go golfing. Some yeah. people like to go to the bar. Some people, I like to go to the race and try to keep up with that. So I guess until my toes turn up, I'll still be aggravating people at the racetrack. I hope so. I <laughs> hope so. I've got a couple questions I ask everybody that I'm lucky enough to have on the show. Three of them. If you had to pick one type of race car and one racetrack to race at for the rest of your life, what do you race? And where do you race? Daytona. Yep. With a Superbird. With a Superbird. Oh. 1970. Well, whatever year yeah, you said it's 70, 70, that's only the 70. That's 70. the only time they let us yeah. run it. And what? they didn't outlaw it. They just made a motor that wouldn't pull it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what about what about that car makes it special? It was just a special car. It was built for racing. Uh, we ran it, what, 10, 12 races is all we've ever, ever run a car. And we never got the full potential out of it. No, we it didn't get half of what We didn't even really? tap it. We, When we got the car, we... We just left it as it was. We made a, every race we got an improvement, but we didn't run it enough to get the full potential of what that car was, was really capable of doing. Yeah. Question number two. Well, Dale, I'll ask you the same thing. If you had to pick one type of race car to crew chief and at what racetrack, what do you pick? Well, we was awful lucky with the 71, 2, 3, and 4 Dodge. Dodges because we worked on them forever. And, Dodge didn't have an, a good car coming along, and they let us run it two years that we shouldn't mm. have, you know, just to keep Dodge, keep, keep Dodge in the racing. But, Lord, we learned so much with the car, and it it uh, it was a good race car, too. But the 64 Plymouth was a good race car, too. We got the big Hemi. We talked about it, you know. But the Dodge was probably the most natural race car we ever had. Mm. I mean, it was good short track, dirt yeah. track. It didn't make any difference. Yeah. It looked it was sweet. Just, it was just a, a really, before we ever knew anything about aerodynamics, it was a balanced car. Okay. And it was really good. Yeah. What track, Dale? Uh, I never did pick them much, but one track I wished we would have got to run was Milwaukee. 
yeah. a USAC race because it was a, I heard it was a flat mile asphalt. Slick. And we mm -hmm. could have, with them torsion bars and rear springs. You'd have had their I, number? We'd have given them a pretty good fit. I'm <laughs> sure. No matter who was there. But we run, uh, we run Trenton USAC two years before NASCAR did. And Pocono. One, Pocono, I'm sorry, Pocono. And it uh, won one of them, but that was an experience too. But you know, I, I tell people I didn't have a favorite track because if you had one you didn't like, yeah, that's right. It yeah. was a struggle, yeah, getting yeah. ready and getting up for it. So yeah, that's I just right. said, okay, it's on the list. Let's go do it. That's right. What's the most embarrassed you've been at the racetrack? Embarrassed. <laughs> most embarrassed, I've been. Gosh, don't hit me with it. I don't know if I've ever been embarrassed about it. I don't believe you have. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good quality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I am what I am. I did what I did. Yeah. And maybe I'd say I'm sorry I done it, but, you know, it was done. Yeah. Can't, can't bring it back. Yeah. So I don't think I'd do it. No. All right. Dale, think, have you ever been embarrassed at a racetrack? Yeah, I'm sure I have, but I, you caught me off guard on this one. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe running pretty bad at some of the tracks. I, I, I'll tell a funny story on this. Uh, we're at Day, we're at Talladega one year and late in practice. Uh, Robbie Loomis is a crew chief, and we didn't have a good car. And late practice, Richard was out there, and he was struggling trying to keep up. And he come in, and I'm standing behind the truck, standing on some tires. And Robbie comes by and says, "When he comes in the lounge, I'm gonna get on to him." And uh, Sure enough, when he come by me, we have a pretty good round. He said, you know, the car just won't run well. I said, you're gonna have to drive it different. You're gonna have to make it something, something. We got in a pretty good argument. <laughs> Robbie said he'd come up in the lounge and kick two or three doors, slam two or three lockers and everything. And Robbie said, what can I do to help you, boss? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robbie yeah. come back out and said, what in the world did you say to him? <laughs> but we've, we've been some times where we went in very good cars, ain't we, bud? Really? That and I, I guess that was embarrassing for both of us. You know, it wasn't all his fault. Maybe most of it was on, but we, you know, we had cars that wasn't competitive the way the rule was. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's certainly been a long ride for us. Okay. La last question. You know, we're surrounded by hundreds of trophies and all these great stories. If you had to forget every moment but one, what? race and memory do you keep? <laughs> Man, I, I tell you, my race and memory is just being surviving all of what stuff we went through. Hmm. You mean, there's no one point in my life that stands out above other things. In other words, when you win your first race, man, this is great. Hmm. But when you win your fifth, tenth race, you didn't forgot about the first race. Yeah. So all life comes along and as things progress no matter how big a deal it was yesterday it's not that big a deal today mm. so i guess i guess that's that's where i look at life yeah you know what I mean what can we do today we can't go back and change anything that happened 10 minutes ago five minutes ago yeah so what can we do to improve ourselves our people our circumstances around us yeah dale i'll ask you the same thing uh i don't you know Winning the 81-500, you know, we probably had a second to a fifth place car mm -hmm. and probably done a little bit of strategy and won the race. 
that was that stood out pretty that, big. That was one of the calls that <laughs> that we won the race. There was other calls that sometimes we don't even realize. <laughs> he made calls, uh, being a crew chief and stuff. He made all the calls, and when he did that, there's probably dozens of races that put us in a position to win because of the circumstances that he made. But on the 81 deal, uh, there was, I think, four or five of us running. And then all of a sudden, Bobby and his pony, I could get away from everybody. So he's out there running around. And so we're back there racing. So he stops and gets tired and gas. Then everybody else follows suit. And Dale kept saying, stay out there, stay out, stay out. I don't know what he's doing, but okay. I'm out there running wide open. And uh, so I think the last, out of that four or five, the last one had stopped. And he said, okay, come in this lap. Okay. And I start down pit road and he says, gas only. And I said, we just won this race. I mean, that's how, that, I, I knew that. Yeah. I mean, it was just, and that was no big deal. So I go back out and we run like 10 or 12 laps and wind up winning the race. And uh, all them boys that worked for that car and worked on that car, they still mad at us every time <laughs> yeah. they see us. Shake their fist at us. <laughs> but it, it's... Uh... But it, there again, strategy won the race. Yeah. Not, not, not me or the car. But we took advantage of what circumstances was and won the race. I thought you had a thought there. Well, it, it just, they did so many faults, but that that was a big one, you know. For but one time we was getting beat with Bud Moore's car down there with Buddy Baker, and the last pit stop he come in and put two right sides on it. We, we was we, beat anyway. Yeah, we was beat anyway, so we I put lefts on. It it take it takes <laughs> oh, it off. Oh yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> put lefts on the. Yeah. <clears throat> No, no, there was a right left. And we just oh. put, we didn't change rights, we changed lefts. And he went out and run Buddy down past him. <laughs> Bud Moore seen me the next week. I, you know, Bud chewed his tongue. He said, I'm at so beach, you know. Hey, <laughs> if, well, you didn't go to make friends at the racetrack. You went to but take you, a trophy. But, but the you still was, got to do something the different. The deal was you if can't. you're getting out and running, then you got to do something different. You can't yeah. be nothing except get out and run more. Yeah, you, you don't have yeah, a chance right. doing yeah. the same thing as everybody else. Absolutely. So that's where the strategies come in today that are so much different. And the deal is, back then, Dale had to worry about four or five really good cars that could do strategy. Now everybody runs the same speed. You know, how are you going out do a better strategy than than 20 other cars? So Starting the race, you had a good chance of winning Talladega. Mm -hmm. Probably as Good Maybe not good as everybody, but you had a chance to win Talladega yeah. Sunday. And it really would, I'm not saying it been a little bit of a surprise, but it wouldn't have been a total surprise like some stuff has happened yeah. you know, yeah. over the years. But yeah, it, and if, if we try to compare yesterday against today, there's, there's not words that can do it. They yeah. just can't. Recap tires, you know, and that was survival at one mm. time. And, holding the floorboard to see the tire. And, yeah. <laughs> Man, I would, uh, I could sit here and talk racing with you guys all day, but I know you got stuff better to do. But for one, I just wanted to, to thank both of you guys for laying the foundation of the sport that guys like us can make a living at. And you you really are the king. Well, we, and, yeah. we didn't do it for y'all. <laughs> I, I know, it, but, but we, you did in a way, you just didn't know it. Yeah. Well, it wound up maybe that way, but 
we did it because we just had to make a living doing yeah. something. Yeah. And we both loved racing. Yeah. And it, it just was a perfect combination. Uh, being in the right place at the right time, under the right circumstances, with the right people around. And it worked most of the time. <laughs> but we left Martinsville and he picked us up with a golf cart and took us there and here and there. And we got in the truck to leave. I said, Richard, we're sport. <laughs> and, but I hang on to his shirt tail. He's the one. And, uh, we get, I mean, he's so respected when we go place and I hang on his shirt tail, you know, so. Works both look. ways. Well, yeah, he's, he's got a blue jacket too. Both of you guys are yeah. both in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, so yeah. you guys both certainly earn it. And I appreciate you guys jumping on the show but, for us. No, it's great. Thanks for coming back. Absolutely. Good luck. Before you leave, you need to take time and look around this place. Oh, oh yeah. don't worry. Okay. I'm going to sleep. I got a spot picked up. I'm going to sleep here tonight. Okay, yeah. that's, that's fine too. <laughs> He'll be sleeping somewhere before long. Well, no, he don't 67. go to bed until about when you should be getting up, but then he gets up about dinner, you know. Well, how about how about you just give us a tour around this place, Dave? Yeah, we'll go everywhere you got. We got time. Give all these cameras out of the way. All right, let's get <laughs> yeah. these cameras out of the way. We got a tour to take on. That's Stacking Pennies, Richard Petty, Dale Emmett. Hope you guys enjoyed it.